In season two of The Business of Nonprofits, we'll talk to organizations taking a head-on approach to big challenges and big risk in pursuit of big rewards for their constituents. We'll unpack their strategies and see how some nonprofits are making it happen and how you can too. Hi everyone, you're listening to The Business of Nonprofits. We're talking today to Birthline, an organization that provides support and resources to pregnant women and young families from conception to kindergarten. With me today is Executive Director Andrea Estrada. Andrea truly walks the walk with experience in education, journalism, and pastoral roles. Andrea, thanks so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I want to take a couple of minutes and introduce Birthline to everyone because my perception of Birthline is a local San Diego organization. And I've been here, you know, since, let's call it 1996. And my recollection of Birthline and where you are today is very different. So take a minute and talk about it. Sure. So Birthline of San Diego County actually started as Birthright 45 years ago. So what we started as was just a woman, Catherine Ewers, deciding, I want women to feel that if they choose to have a child, if they choose to have a family, whether they're educated, whether they're uneducated, if they're a single mother, if they're a teen mom, if they're a mom with multiple children, if they're a housewife, whatever they are doing, if they feel that they're alone, they are not going to want to have the family the way they would hope to. So her idea was, if there's somebody out there who will provide them resources they will be successful. They'll feel independent and confident. And that's how Birthline was born. Again, it was birthright at the beginning because it was part of the pushback that some faiths have against Planned Parenthood. From that time, though, we have evolved. Birthline now doesn't involve itself in the political aspects of pregnancy and family planning. What we do now is we've decided we're going to walk alongside mothers and families with children from zero to kindergarten and give them that community support. Because going off of what Catherine wanted, she wanted to make these women feel like they could handle it, they could stand on their own, and we're doing that. But you don't just need that when you're pregnant. You don't just need that when you're a newborn mom. You need that when you have a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a potty training kid, a teething kid, a kicking kid, a child with special needs. So moms come to us now and they say, here's my laundry list of stress. I don't know how I'm going to find child support. I don't know how I'm going to afford diapers. I don't even know what resources are available to us. So my client managers work as peer support for these moms. And for up to two years, we walk with them. That means we give them some sort of guidance. We say, okay, you're pregnant. You're going to have your baby in two months. Here's a free car seat program. Okay, you have a child and you are short on resources. Right now, everyone's short on resources. Here's places you can go or here are things we can actually physically give you. So we've really grown in that aspect. We serve about 20 families a day, four days a week. So you can do the numbers there, but we give anywhere from, this is a modest estimation, 125,000 diapers a month to families in San Diego County. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of diapers. <laughs> that is a lot of diapers. But if they're like a 15 cents per diaper, just think of what we're doing for a family. Yeah. So we've really stretched our wings in that regard. And we serve anyone in San Diego County. That's awesome. And I wanted to recap that because I feel like the push right now that we're seeing, and you and I just talked about this, is really to community right? It's to building community and support. Mm -hmm. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about that because I feel like your moonshot goal of expanding to do more in the community is tied directly 
it's not just about walking with the mother. It's really about walking with the community and helping her find those resources and support. And it changes the dynamic of being a parent. Maybe you should start a second wave of Birthline where you provide support for women with teenage girls because I could use that. <laughs> well, shoot. And I want like a dog mom community support. <laughs> <laughs> the feeling of not being alone and the feeling of having community support and knowing where to turn is huge. There's so much need right now. So we started off with just very casual, like five minute. Hi, how are you? What do you need? Here's your diapers and here's your wipes. And it evolved because we realized these moms wanted to talk. They want to have somebody hear how tired they are, where they're stressed about, and celebrate their victories with them. Last year, we had for the first time an event called Love Another Mother. And what we did is we celebrated moms who had achieved their goals. Whether it's I graduated from high school, I have my GED, I'm sober six months, whatever their goal was. And we celebrated them with a lunch and gifts. And the lunch they liked, the gifts they liked, but what they liked was sitting with other moms who were just like them. And they didn't even have to be from the same cultural background. We have Haitian refugees. We have Middle Eastern refugees. We have Hispanic moms. Any kind of mom you can think of, we had them there. And they just gathered and naturally began conversations. And a lot of our moms are asking, when are you going to have other events like this? Because I liked feeling like I wasn't alone. And they swapped cell numbers because they realized even if I live in another part of the county, I have somebody who understands me. And it was such a huge revelation for us because here we are thinking, oh, they're just here for the free stuff. But no, they like that we know who they are and we can grow with them. And with that comes, you know, a little tough love sometimes. We've had some moms where we say, are you really doing that? Are you doing what you're saying you're doing? And, you know, there's that bashful, no, okay, here's what's really going on. And that can't happen. That growth can't happen without an aspect of community. Yeah, I absolutely agree. We were talking a little bit about the pandemic because whether it's causality or whether it's timing, your expansion to that understanding of they come for the stuff, but they stay for the community. I'm seeing that in a lot of nonprofits where the expansion into other community resources and wanting a facility or a classroom space or whatever it is, has really taken off this year. And I feel like a lot of our moonshots are facility based, right? We're looking for space to gather, which is super important when you build community. In our prep call, you had talked about dads, which I think you really can't solve some of these problems without really looking at dads. Mm -hmm. And your primary focus always is, I want to say the mother, because I am one. It's a very different journey that you walk. Right. It's a very physical journey when you have a child. But there's this dad component. Talk a little bit about that and, and where you want to go, because I feel like that's also integral to your moonshot goal. Absolutely. It's really interesting seeing dads of children five and under right now, because they're very different from when I was a child five and under. We have dads who are involved in every aspect of raising their child. Last week, I had a dad come in. He's a single dad. He just received custody of his infant son, and he has no idea what he's doing. He will be the first to tell you, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's really cute. He came in because he wanted a spoon and a bowl to feed his baby because the bowls he had at home were too big for the baby's mouth, which means he tried to use the, the grown-up spoon. <laughs> but that's all he wanted. He said, oh, I don't need other stuff because I have one of those things already at home. 
which is endearing because he didn't want to overtake items that other families might need, but he wants to be fully engaged with his child. He got a bunch of parenting books from us. He got a bunch of prep from us. And we see husbands come in with their wives and they want to know, well, what can I do to help my wife? And then, and what we're seeing is that dads need some sort of mentorship or support groups as well, because they want to talk and they want to know how to be good dads. They try really hard, but if they haven't been given any sort of prep the way moms are given prep, we're setting them up to fail. And the moms appreciate the support, but I've seen several moms that get frustrated because the men don't know what they're doing. I have one mom who came in, she said, my husband really tries to change my son's diaper. He does it wrong all the time and I have to fix it, but he tries, you know, it's a point of laughter instead of a point of celebration because he's trying, but he doesn't know what he's doing. So we want to really shape out the rest of this year with dads in mind. What can we provide dads materialistically as well as emotionally and time-wise so that they feel that they're doing the right thing by stepping up to the plate and being an active participant in raising their child. And I think that's a great thing. You know, as you move from the support from just the mom to the support to the mom and the child, and then eventually just families, no matter what they look like, I think there's something so powerful about saying that we have to treat the whole system. We really need to look at the family dynamic, right? Whether he's, maybe they have a split shift and she works overnights and he's taking care during the right. And it's a point of stress for the family because he's a weak link. You really can change the face of the family just by modifying a few things and really providing that support. And this goes for both parties, right? Even if they stay pretty clueless, at least they know what they don't know and they know to ask for help. And I feel like that's a huge thing, right? When you're young and you're tired and you're, <laughs> when your family is young, it really is just, I'm too tired to even ask for help. And you have to, you just have to, right? Could be family, could be a community resource like yours. You have to do it. Um, so talk a little bit about your huge goal, because this is a big transition, 45 years, right? Moving into this idea of supporting the family and all the constituents in the family. Talk about what you're trying to do in the next like five years. So in the next five years, we're going to grow our space to be able to serve every aspect of parenting that comes with challenges. So that's pretty much everything, right? <laughs> so some of the goals that I'm looking at is, for example, a potty training class for moms, a teething class for moms, a prep for TK for moms. And again, by moms, I don't mean just mother. I mean, parents who that parent who's taking that role and doing that work. This can also be just conversations with people with children at the same age. Let's say you're prepping baby one for baby number two to come into the family. There's all these aspects where uh, families need to feel like they're not alone. And we've been in this echo chamber after the pandemic where people think, okay, I'm the only one experiencing this. I'm the first woman ever to get pregnant and have a child and have high risk needs and all this. And you just get this tunnel vision and you forget, no, 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 there's people out there just like me or who've gone through it just the way I am. So it helps to have that. Our big hope is to have not only classes, but also multiple sites because we serve San Diego County, but we're in Claremont only. We used to have up to three different satellite stations at one point in our 45 years, but it was really minimal service. It was 
here's your types, here's your wipes, we'll see you later. And now I want each of these places, once we get there, to be fully functioning as a hub. If you need community support, which means somebody to talk to, we're the person for you. If you don't even know where to start with county resources, we're the person you talk to because we can plug you in and give you all the resources you need. That's my big vision. How big do these sites have to be? So your facility in Claremont is, it's a storefront, right? So it was a doctor's office. So we have client manager offices, we have a waiting room, and we have a staff lounge. And then we've cobbled together from different parts of the building, a diaper room, which clients don't see, and then a donation space, which is a large storage facility, which is where we sort and prepare the items for moms to take home with them. We don't have a classroom space. If we could find another storefront that's a little bit larger so we can have the offices for the client manager meets, as well as a larger space for either uh, meetings, for gatherings, as well as just opportunities for people to hold events, that would be a big blessing. So we're putting that out into the universe, right? That's the moonshot. Let's break it down, right? You're clearly actively looking. Like you have broken this into smaller bits. How do you attack that? Is that advertising? Is that talking to community resources yourself? How does that work? I have a little itty bitty committee. It's like two or three ladies who are trying to put their feelers out there for me because there's so many spaces that appear available. But when you put into the fact that one, we're nonprofit, we don't have a huge budget. Two, we're serving moms with children and dads with children. So that means strollers, kids. That's going to limit a lot of places that we have access to. And then add to the fact that our service also involves people with low means. So they are going to take public transportation. That means we have to be by a bus stop. We have to be on the first floor. We have to have it be reasonable. They have to want a nonprofit in that space. And it needs to be pretty much turnkey or where we just add a couple of those portable walls to be able to make it work. We have a real estate individual who's been helping us look, but it's just a matter of finding the right person in the right space. I think it's interesting that you take all of that into consideration because you can set the goal, but the intention and walking back through, if success looks like that, what do I have to do to get there? Not just logistically and you know fiscally, but what does that space really have to look like? How do you find that in different parts of the county? San Diego County's really big. So how do you meet those needs? Do you do some sort of pop-up thing, you know, and have it be like this Halloween spirit stores? You take advantage of, of spaces that may become available, but that's a whole different undertaking to manage. I know that Birthline from a staff perspective is really small. What's the logistical piece? Are you hiring somebody to do like a facilities management type of thing? Or is that going to be their role moving forward? That's the plan. They're going to take on that role. They're part of my board of directors. My board of directors has grown exponentially. I mean, the square is exponential. So I've doubled my board with a few provisional individuals. And one of the women who joined my board, she happens to work in the nonprofit space as well. But as part of my board, she let me know, hey, I helped move the organization that I work at into a large space. So I know what that looks like. Now it's just a matter of us finding the space. And some of my board members, they have ties with commercial real estate. So they do have a pulse on what's happening. It's just now waiting for that right location to make itself available. Because on what they're finding, it's not financially feasible yet. I think we're like everyone else. We're hoping for the bubble to burst so that way we can afford the perfect piece that we can just pick up and move into. 
Yeah. And that's also interesting because I would think given the return to work softness, so San Diego, definitely a lot of people have reopened their offices and gone back to work, but there is still a, a remarkable number of remote work in San Diego. And I would think that the commercial real estate environment would actually be amenable to something like what you're talking about, but it is really high. Oh, it's ridiculously high. Um, we're fairly certain everything's artificially inflated because people keep crossing their fingers and saying, okay, at the turn of the year, everyone's coming back to work full time and all of our office spaces will be filled. If any of our listeners have ties to commercial real estate we've, and you want to get in touch with Andrea, please hit her up. Her email address is on the Birthline website. So talk to me about what you think success looks like. You're having your commercial real estate fleet of people go looking. What's your first milestone goal? I'm coming at this from an education standpoint. I'm all for having a moonshot, but I'm also for having attainable goals. <laughs> I've had many milestone markers along the way that I'm keeping an eye on. And if we're hitting those, I say, hey, these are successes that are happening. The first success milestone that we had was really honing in and defining what our programs looked like, who we serve, how we serve them, what the outcome should be once they've fulfilled service with us, quote unquote. And the second part is then engaging the individuals who have donated hours and hours of time with us and making them feel that they're not just a faceless individual who's coming in because they feel an internal call to do so. It's because they feel that they are also part of a community. Volunteers are a total community in and of themselves that need to be celebrated and engaged. And that's what we're actively working on now. The next step would be, okay, so we've internalized growth. We've engaged our volunteers. The next big one for me is having that bleed out into our client space. If we don't have the space yet, real estate-wise, we do have opportunities for events to give parents that engagement that they need. And if we see those milestones, I'm willing to wait a little bit for real estate for the perfect location, as long as these other aspects are moving forward the way I want them to. Yeah, I love the fact that you're doing, the, I'm going to call it pre-work, but it's really underlying foundational work. It's looking at your programs. It's redefining measurement and success there. And measurement, measurement's a big piece. And I think a lot of people forget that, that yeah, we want to celebrate, but we're actually celebrating what the numbers look like. And that can translate into dollars or grants or putting that out in your newsletter, which actually Birthline has a wonderful newsletter for those of you who want to check that out as well, also on the website. Is there something that you wish you had done differently or earlier or a regret? I mean, I always ask everyone that question. Is there like a nugget of wisdom that you can impart? No one comes into any position perfectly. I wish I could say that, you know, I was the first. I'm the founder of perfect ED role, <laughs> but that's not the case. So what I think is important, if it's possible, is to really keep the person whose role you've taken on, if you can engage them and say, hey, what are challenges that you found and what have you done? And you're not going to necessarily copy what they're doing, but you get a lot of context and thought process involved that you might not use. The individual who served as interim director before for me has a completely different personality type than I do. She has a different way of looking at things than I do, but her insight gave me a standing to build off of, especially if you're coming into a new type of sector. I came from education. I came from pastoral roles, as you've mentioned. 
And while that's still serving a community and it's still serving people, the verbiage you use is different. The history is different. Every kind of way you intend to act is different. So having that helps a lot. And if you don't have that, you should look for individuals who've served for a long time. Because we've been around for 45 years, I've got some volunteers who've been there 12 years, 16 years. They they just love the organization. And I can say, hey, what did it used to look like? How did this role get? And you start seeing why things worked the way they did and how you can grow upon that instead of starting from scratch. I know that when I came into this role, COVID had already happened. We've already had been established, but they were still running on emergency procedures. And understanding that why made it really easy for me to justify shifts that needed to occur as opposed to saying, oh, I don't like the way you've done things. You've always done things wrong. That's not the way to go about it. You say, here's the why it is the way it is, and here's the why it's going to be this. And that helps a lot because you are now coming into a role with some context. You're, it helps a lot. Yeah, I like that. I like sort of hacking the pre-existing, really looking at it. And I know even in for-profit world, coming into a new role can be challenging and you really do need to look at, often you can't, you're not trained by the incumbent. So that person has left and now you really need to fill that negative space. But working off your champions or people who've been there for many years can often help. Just like you said, you don't need to continue what they did exactly the same way. But you definitely need to use it to inform everything from the language, the acronyms, right? All of that. That's great. Okay, so if you could put a wish out into the world, what would it be? I want all of it. <laughs> and I have all of the above. D. Well, right now, what we're looking for is uh, twofold. We basically need the space. We would love a corporate space. We try to stay centralized, so within the Golden Triangle of San Diego counties. But we are also looking for ways to expand our programs while waiting for that. So financial support would be huge because that means I can hire um, people to run classes for me. Right now, I'm going off of very hardworking client managers that are stretched to the brim. And if I said, hey, do you want to do this? They'll say, yes, I'll do that. Who needs sleep? That's ridiculous. I don't want that. I want to help my clients more. But I don't want to do that to them. I want to help build out my team. If we're serving 20 plus families a day with a bare bone crew, can you imagine what I did with double that? I take over the county. You could. You absolutely could. <laughs> so if you would like to help me become the county queen, please. Absolutely. There's always room for more leadership. And I do feel like there is a need for it, especially now, just even food insecurity. Actually, even the food bank gives out diapers and wipes, which I didn't really know until I've just done some work with them. So it's pervasive. It's really just needed. So any support, if you have a corporate tie-in that could help, if you have a fleet of education resources that are just looking for something to do, contract Andrea. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's really funny that you mentioned the food bank and the support that they provide families. We are affiliated with the food bank. They give us a good portion of the diapers, but a lot of individuals out of their own pocket give us boxes and boxes of diapers. They give us items for newborns and for infants. But honestly, what's surprising, if you have toddler clothes for children five and under that you have a boy, chances are the jeans are totally shredded to bits, but so we don't want that. But the children who are three and four and five, we generally are scrounging for items for them because people, when they think, oh, baby clothes, they think infant. But since we're serving a larger age group, that's a need that we have. And maybe you could help us underwrite our party training program because moms 
need help with that. And if you haven't potty trained in a while, you don't remember, but there's a chair, there's special pants, there's special, all of these things. And one thing before I do forget one area in my heart that really is a big deal that if you want to help us with this is we have some parents who are coming out of sober living who've lost custody of their children and are slowly getting the opportunity to have their children stay overnight with their house as part of their growth process. But in order for them to have their children in their homes, their home has to be child-friendly and child-ready. That means outlet covers, those little corner guards, toys, a safe place for them to sleep. We've had multiple come to us now and they say, I have nothing. And I've just gotten out of sober living, so I barely have furniture in my place. What am I supposed to do? We want to be that one-stop shop for them where they can come and have a package ready and say, okay, this is for your child's room or for your child's space in your house. You'll be ready for your baby to come. I love that. And it doesn't necessarily need to be infant either. So please, toddler beds, right? If you have a tie-in for any of that stuff, furniture, safety devices, any of that, please, please, please reach out to Andrea. I know she would love to have that tie-in. Yes, absolutely. Andrea, thanks so much for joining us. You do phenomenal work. And I know Birthline is just going to take it to the next level in the next five years. So thank you for the work you do. Hype the website a little bit. If you want to donate or volunteer, what do people need to do? You can check us out on birthlineofsd.org. We are always looking for volunteers. It could be uh, client-facing. It could be just helping us sort donations. Um, or if you just want to get to know a little bit about what we do, feel free to reach out to me. My email is on the website. As uh, Stacy said, I'm always looking for people to engage with and connect with. If you've got a nonprofit that you feel we could collaborate with, whether it's we share similar clients, or if you just are looking for ways to support families, I'm more than happy to talk to you. Awesome. So for our listeners, I really hope you enjoyed hearing about Birthline San Diego. Be sure to subscribe if you liked this episode, or please leave us a review. If you have a suggestion or would like to be a guest, please contact us at podcast at tgrmanagementconsulting.com. On behalf of producer Sam and I, we'll see you next time. Andrea, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really do believe this year is about community, community, community. And for everyone listening, I hope your takeaway was protect the core, like build that foundation first, and then the growth can be explosive from there. My name is Tiffany Rossick, CEO of TGR Management Consulting. Volunteerism is a core value of ours at TGR. In fact, it's something each and every one of our team members have demonstrated prior to being hired. Because we all believe all humans want to be part of something bigger than themselves, and together we are better.